Hey, so I'm Brian. It's good to be with you here today. I actually have a treat. I get to be with you here today and next week. So you're stuck with me for two weeks. So I'm excited to, I'm excited to be with you for the next two weeks. We're going to try to get on a little roll here. If you've got a Bible, uh, you can open up to Mark chapter 12. If you're newer to Alpine or if I've never met you before, I sure would love to meet you. I'll be up here at the, at the front after the service. Just please don't rush out of here. I'd love for you to come up and introduce yourself to me if I've never met you before. Sorry that my wife Tracy couldn't be here with me today. I'm going to try to talk her into joining us next week. I think we'll get her here next week with me. She just doesn't like going to church with me. Um, just, I'm totally kidding. Some of you are like, this guy for real? Um, no, she's been helping out at our Layton campus, and, and she's doing a great job over there. Um, but next week, I'm, she's going to join me and join us as we continue on in the Gospel of Mark. So, so we've been studying the Gospel of Mark since the beginning of the year. We're in chapter 12. Man, it's taken us all this time to get to chapter 12. And this is the section of Scripture. Uh, some, some commentators call this the, quest, the questioning of Jesus. Because it, but just to give some context before we get into the text, Jesus was... He's going, it's the Passion Week, he came into Jerusalem, at the end of this week, Jesus is going to be hanging on the cross, just for context. At the end of the week that we're studying, that we've been studying the last few weeks, Jesus is going to be hanging on the cross. So he's at the temple grounds, he's having these interactions with, with the group called the Sanhedrin, and what Mark does for us in his gospel is he lays out Three questions. Today's question number two. So last week, if you were here, was question number one. The Sanhedrin is made up of three groups. The Sanhedrin is like the Jewish high council. It's kind of like the Supreme Court for the Jewish people. The Sanhedrin is the one that's going to be putting Jesus on trial at the end of this week and is going to, is going to get Rome to hang Jesus on a cross. That's the Sanhedrin, okay? The Sanhedrin is made up of three groups of people. The Pharisees, we've all heard of the Pharisees. The Sadducees, which is another group kind of religious group, and then the scribes or the teachers of the law. So the Pharisees, we saw their question last week. They came to Jesus and they said, should we pay taxes to Caesar or not? That was the question of the Pharisees. Today we're going to look at the question of the Sadducees, the second group, and their question has to do with resurrection. And so we're going to talk, and we'll tell you why. We're going to talk about resurrection and eternity and what the Bible says about all that. And then next week, come back because... I'll join you again next week for my favorite question of all the questions, because next week the third group asks the question of Jesus, and their question is, what is the greatest commandment? So the scribes next week are going to ask a question about the greatest commandment. And each of these groups is asking a question based on like their particular belief system. So the Pharisees are asking about taxes because they're, they're kind of in with the Herodians, and, and they're, they're in in connection with the, with the Roman government. They're trying to make Jesus look like he's a rebel, and so that's why they asked him that question, to trap him. The Sadducees' question today is about eternity, which matters to them because of their doctrinal distinctives. We're going to get into that today. Next week, the scribes are going to ask about what matters to them, which is, which is the word, scriptures. So next week, the scribes ask a question about scriptures because the scribes are the experts on the scriptures, and so their, their next week's question is, Jesus, which commandment is the most important commandment in, the, in all the scriptures? So we see that they're asking Jesus these questions that matter to them. They're trying to trap Jesus. And once again today, the Sadducees are going to ask a question. And that's exactly what they're doing, is they're trying to trap Jesus with their question. Today we're going to talk all about eternity. 
because their question has to do with eternity. By the way, if you never listen to the Truth Podcast at PursueGod.org, we always release on Friday before Sunday, we always release the episode ahead of time. So if you want to kind of have a heads up to what you're going to hear in the sermon, check out the Truth Podcast, and maybe you'll listen to it and say, oh man, I need to invite so-and-so. I think they're going to really love this message today. That's one of the reasons we release it a couple of days early, not just so you can skip on Sunday, but so that you can be prepared to get into the Word with us. So today I want to start with this question. Every week we've been kind of starting off with a question to apply it to our lives, and the question for today is, what will eternity be like? What will eternity be like? There's all these religions, there's all these ideas out there about the answer to this question. I remember as a, as a young kid growing up in the church, I don't know where I got this idea from. I don't think my church taught it or anything. I think maybe my church didn't teach much about it. Honestly, I'm not really sure if it was much of an emphasis, but for whatever reason, my picture of eternity was like white, everyone's in white, there's white walls, there's like harps, like really soothing music playing, like just so chill and white. And, and then as I got older, I realized that kind of sounds like an insane asylum a little bit. <laughs> like white walls, everybody's like, can't do much, you know. I don't know where I got that picture, but I remember some people came to my, when we moved to Utah, some people came to our house and started telling us about their picture of eternity. And I realized, I better know what I better know what we believe. I better know what the Bible says about eternity because it, it's actually important for us to know. By the way, if you want a good book on this, years ago I read a book called Heaven by Randy Alcorn, and he does a great job of painting a different picture than the white wall insane asylum picture of heaven. He does a great job with that. So if you want a book on this, I encourage you to pick it up. In fact, it's really encouraging if you've lost loved ones it's encouraging to read that and to really have an understanding of what heaven is like. Spoiler alert, it's not white. It's beautiful. It's vibrant. I mean, I, have you noticed just how beautiful the mountains have been this year? I mean, this fall, it's, we're driving down the freeway. I'm like, I can't take my eyes off the mountains. I've always loved the mountains. We love Utah. We, we love the, this time of year with the colors and then the snow on top. It's just the best. I love it. Heaven's better than that. Heaven's more vibrant than that. I mean, that's, that's really the picture that we get as we study the picture of heaven is it's more, it's better than that. It's not more boring than that. It's better than that. Now, we're not going to get into all those details today. We're going to talk a little bit more about what the Sadducees have to say about it. So let's get to the text today. Mark chapter 12. If you have your Bibles, turn there. And we're starting at verse 18. It says, then Jesus was approached by some Sadducees. Religious leaders who say there is no resurrection from the dead. That's who the Sadducees were. I'll get into that more in just a second. And so they posed this question to Jesus. They said, teacher, Moses gave us a law that if a man dies, leaving a wife without children, his brother should marry the widow and have a child who will carry on the brother's name. That's actually from Leviticus. It's called a Leverite marriage. It sounds weird to us as Americans, but, but I'm glad that's not the rule for us, but that's, that's what it said in the Old Testament, in the book of Moses, in Leviticus. By the way, the reason for this is because women back then would have been destitute, so this was about providing for a woman. This was about a brother providing for his brother's wife if his brother passes away. This was about God's compassion on people. This was about his love for people. 
And so whenever we read something from 3,000 years ago, we have to not overlay our understanding in America today. We have to make sure that we understand the original context. We're not going to get into all that. I'm just, I'm just explaining that to you in case some of you start eyeing your brother's wife. Okay. Mark's, we, let's go on. Verse 20 says this. Man, I really should stick to my notes here. I could get into tr- some trouble. So he goes on. He says, well, suppose there were seven brothers. Suppose there were seven brothers. The oldest one married and then died without children. So the second brother married the widow. But he also died without children. Then the third brother married her. This continued with all seven of them, and still there were no children. Last of all, the woman also died. So tell us, whose wife will she be in the resurrection? For all seven were married to her. Okay, so there's the question. Now, by the way, it's important for us to understand the Sadducees are trying to trap Jesus. They're trying to make him look foolish. They're trying to expose him. So the Sadducees were this group that we just saw. I mean, Mark just said it, but, but uh, Luke tells us this in Acts chapter 23, also verse 8. The Sadducees are the group that believes that there's no resurrection. There's no, no such thing as an angel. There's no such thing as a spirit. But the Pharisees acknowledge them all. So here we have this group, these two groups in the Sanhedrin it's kind of like, I don't know, kind of like Christians today. Like you've got some people that believe these distinctives, other people believe these distinctives. So the Pharisees and Sadducees were kind of split on this really important thing. The Sadducees did not believe in a resurrection. The Pharisees did believe in a resurrection. So what the Sadducees are doing is they're asking this question because, in fact, some commentators believe that this, that this might have been like a, almost like a, like a Sadducean joke 2,000 years ago. That they, would, that they would throw in the faces, face of the Pharisees to try to expose their doctrine as being wrong. That this seven brother thing might have been pretty well known out there. Like, oh, you think there's resurrection in heaven? Well then, riddle me this one, Pharisees. How's this supposed to work? So maybe you've done this before if you, if you, if you ever argue theology with people. Pastor Eric loves to argue theology. I just think it's hilarious. A couple of the pastors sometimes, we just did a retreat a few weeks ago in the van the whole way up. Oh my gosh, I had to put earphone, headphones in. It was like, they're just, a couple of the guys are like really, really opinionated about their doctrine. I mean, I'm not, I'm not making fun of that. Yes, I am. But I, I think it's good that you have a real strong opinion about your doctrine. And so a couple of our guys that are really, really opinionated just go after it. I love it. I love that about, about our staff, that, that on the fringes, that on the fringes, that we're able to like push back on each other and say, what, do you, what about this? And what about that? And I think that's great. So this was kind of the Pharisees and Sadducees, except that it wasn't exactly on the fringes. Like, this is eternity they're talking about. Eternity matters. What you believe about eternity is kind of a big deal. So the Sadducees didn't believe in the resurrection, so they believed that when you died, you just, you just weren't anymore. That you have a relationship with God here in this life for as long as you live, and then when you die, it's just done. It's just over. That's what the... Sadducees believed. They didn't believe in the afterlife. That's why they were so sad, you see. No? Too soon? Maybe the second service will like that one. But that, so that was the Sadducees. Here's why. I, I, it's important for you to see why they believe this. The Sadducees had a small view of Scripture. 
So when you take your, when you take your Bibles, so we've got the Old Testament and the New Testament. So here's the Old Testament, the big front part, the Old Testament. The Sadducees, they didn't believe that all of this was Scripture. The Jewish people in Jesus' day had this as their Scripture. They had the Old Testament as their Scripture. But the Sadducees didn't believe that that was all canonical. They didn't believe that that was all really authoritative in our lives. They only believed in the book of Moses. They only believed in the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Old Testament. So the Sadducees got all their doctrine from just like this much right here. They got all their doctrine from just the first five books. That's it. The Pharisees believed all of this. The Sadducees only believed this part. And as a result, and I want you to pay attention to this, as a result, they had the resurrection wrong, among other things. Their doctrine of eternity was wrong because they had such a small view of Scripture. Now, I want to pause for a second and just apply that before we get back to this. I want to apply that to our lives for a second. Isn't that true that if we pick and choose what we want to believe from Scripture, then we're going to have a lot of doctrine wrong? We're going to have a lot of doctrine wrong. If we don't really fully, if we don't take this, if we don't say, I believe this, God, I believe you gave this to me, I believe it's authoritative in my life, and I'm going to let all of it speak to me, not just the stuff that I like. And so the Sadducees to me represent people who, maybe you know people like this, or maybe you've even been a person like this. The Sadducees represent people who don't take all of Scripture's authoritative, they just take bits and pieces of it. That's so dangerous to do. We end up missing, we end up missing not just fringe doctrine, but we end up missing the really important stuff and what you believe about eternity would be categorized under the really important stuff. So here's what Jesus said in response to them. He said this, your mistake is twofold. Number one, you don't know the scriptures. You don't know the scriptures. And he wasn't just talking about all the Old Testament. He actually was talking about even the five books that they did take as scriptural He's saying, you don't even know those scriptures, because here's the thing, is if you don't take all of this to be God's word, then any part of it that you take, you misread, because we have to interpret scripture with scripture. And so Jesus is saying, first of all, you don't know the scriptures, and secondly, you don't know the power of God. Now, isn't that interesting, because this is exactly what the Sadducees were all about. They were about the scriptures, well, the, at least the Torah, the book of Moses, and they were all about the power of God. They were all about the authority of God. They, they were in authority. They were, in the, they were part of the Sanhedrin. So they were all about these two things, and Jesus is saying to them, you don't know the things that you think you know. The, the stuff that you major on, you even miss. It's not, they weren't wrong on the fringes. They were wrong on the major stuff. He says, then he goes on, he says, for when the dead rise... They will neither marry nor be given in marriage. Which, by the way, right there, isn't just for the Sadducees, but that's actually for the Pharisees. Because the Pharisees misunderstood resurrection also. The reason that the Sadducees could have such a ridiculous joke to throw at the Pharisees every time they debated this is because the Pharisees thought that eternity was just an extension of the life here on earth. They just thought it was like, it was just, okay, we're, if you're married here, then you're going to be married in heaven. And actually what Jesus is telling us is that that's not how it works. So it's not just the Sadducees that are learning something here. It's actually the Pharisees that are learning something here as well. So Jesus says in this respect, they will be like the angels in heaven. Marriage, marriage is not a thing in heaven. 
Now, we don't have time to get into all this, but some of you, I know you got questions about this. But let me just suffice it to say like this. Heaven is going to have better relationships than we have here on earth. It's not going to be less than what we have here on earth. It's going to be greater than what we have here on earth. And what Jesus is teaching here is the institution of marriage does not need to be the focus like it is here on earth. Our relationship, you will have a relationship with your spouse, but it won't be as a spouse. Your relationship with your spouse is going to be even better than that. It's going to be all the best parts of marriage, none of the other parts of marriage. It's going to be relationships completely free of sin and brokenness and selfishness. It's going to be better than every, anything you've ever experienced. It's not just going to be just like a continuation of what we've established here on earth. This is what Jesus is saying. He goes on. But now, he says, as to whether the dead will be raised. Isn't it interesting? So he kind of answers the, kind of the, the joke part of the question for them. And he goes on and he says, now as for whether the dead will be raised. Now he's getting to the bigger issue here, resurrection. He says this. Haven't you ever read about this in the writings of Moses? Now, isn't that interesting? Jesus is going to the writings of Moses. He's not going to the rest of the Old Testament that they don't take as authoritative. He's going right to the part of Scripture that they've studied and believed. And he's going to prove this from Scripture that they already knew. Remember, he said, you don't even know the Scriptures, so let me explain it to you. Can you imagine how mad the Sadducees would have been at this point. Like, you think, you're not a Sadducee. You're not even a Pharisee. You're not on the Sanhedrin. Who do you think you are? And Jesus just said, you don't know scripture and you don't know power. And then Jesus spoke to them with all authority. And here's what he said. He said, in the story of, in the writings of Moses, in the story of the burning bush, long after Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob had died, God said to Moses, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, so he is the God of the living, not the dead. You have made a serious error. It's so easy for us to read through this and read right past this and miss like the moment that's happening here. Like Jesus is going toe-to-toe with the Sadducees and they're not loving this. Jesus is teaching the teachers. He's instructing the instructors. That's what Jesus is doing here. And look at what he says here. I love how simple Jesus keeps it. Let me, let me kind of restate what he's saying here so that now that you understand the Sadducees and where they're coming from, let me restate what they're saying. They're basically saying this. If, if life ends here on earth and we're, just, we're dead and gone and there's nothing more, if that's all there is, if there is no such thing as eternity, then God would have said, I was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But he didn't say that. He said, I am the God. He's saying that relationship with God extends beyond this life into the next. And Jesus, just by using their own scripture, Jesus is blowing their minds and proving to them that what what starts here on earth in our relationship with God is extended into eternity. And so I want to... Now that we've looked, that's our text for today. That's it. I mean, I, I, hope, I hope that was helpful, but we've got 10 more minutes, and I want to spend the last 10 minutes explaining to you the answer now to this question, what will eternity be like? Because Jesus kind of gets us going. He basically tells us there won't be marriage in heaven, that 
that heaven's going to be better than you can imagine, that we will go on to live, there will be such a thing as resurrection, but Jesus doesn't get into all the details in his answer. This is the end, that's the end of the story there, and Jesus doesn't say a whole lot more about it, at least not that day. But he said some things about it in the Gospel of Matthew. The Apostle Paul said some things about it, and so as we read Scripture, we can, we can begin to answer this question, what will eternity be like, by looking at the rest of Scripture, because we believe in all of it. We want the whole counsel of God to speak to us on this particular issue. So let's do that with the last nine minutes now that we have. What will eternity be like? And I want to point you to a series we have online at PursueGod.org called Systematic Theology. You can scan that QR code or just go to it. Find it at PursueGod.org. And topic 11, we get into great detail on this, more detail than I can right here. The, the topic 11 is called What Happens After We Die. It's all about eternity. Let me just highlight a few things from that for today, and I hope that this will inspire you to want to go and listen to, the, to that full podcast and, and really dig into that on your own. First of all, Acts 24, 15. It says, I have the same hope in God that these men have, that he will raise both the righteous and the unrighteous. So what scripture teaches about resurrection, one of the things that scripture teaches about resurrection is that the righteous will be resurrected and the unrighteous will be resurrected. Now when we talk about resurrection, we're talking about this day in the future when, when everyone, the dead in Christ will rise, when everyone will be resurrected, when we'll shed the, the, the flesh and bones that we have on this earthly life and we will be giving, given a new spiritual body and the Bible says that both the righteous and the unrighteous will be resurrected. That resurrection isn't just for Christians. The resurrection is for Christians and for non-Christians. So let's break that down a little bit more. Let's talk about the unrighteous first. Second, Second Thessalonians 1, 7 and 9. It says, God will come with his mighty angels. This is talking about the end times, the end of the world which kind of feels like right now, if you ask me. Tracy, like, my wife, when, she, when all this stuff has been going on in the Middle East and stuff in Ukraine, she's like, is this the end of the world? And I don't know, maybe it is, maybe it isn't, but we should all be ready, and we should know what Scripture has to say about it. Here's what it says. That God will come with his mighty angels in flaming fire, bringing judgment on those who don't know God and on those who refuse to obey the good news of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with eternal destruction forever separated from the Lord and from his glorious power. Friends, Scripture says, and if I was making up my own religion, I would leave this out. But I'm not, so I won't. Scripture says the unrighteous will be resurrected to eternal judgment and fire. That's one of the scariest concepts in the Bible. But that's what Scripture says. Now again, the Sadducees were good at picking and choosing what they wanted to believe, and I think we all can kind of tend to do the same thing. We all can kind of be like, well, how about I just pick and choose what I want? Can I just kind of have it my way, like Burger King eternity? Like, uh, I'll have the Whopper without the onions, thank you very much, you know? But, but we need to take all of God's word and we need to let it be authoritative in our lives. We need to let it speak to us. And scripture says that the unrighteous will be raised to eternal destruction and judgment. Guys, this is why we want to grow more campuses. This is why we want to share more. This is why we encourage you to invite people to come and, 
and to hear the good news of Jesus because this, like, eternity is at stake. That's what scripture says. What about the righteous? What about believers, followers of Jesus? 1 Corinthians 15. It says, our bodies are buried in brokenness, but they will be raised in glory. They're buried in weakness, but they will be raised in strength. They're buried as natural human bodies, but they will be raised as spiritual bodies. The Bible doesn't say a whole lot more about this, but, but basically it says this, that when we die and our bodies go into the ground, that someday when Jesus comes back and we're resurrected, he doesn't give us back our physical bodies. He gives us something else. He call, it, the Bible, it says it right here in this verse. It's called a spiritual body. Do you notice it doesn't say we will be raised as spirits? We will be raised as spiritual bodies. So there, you will have a physical, sorry, not physical. You'll have a spiritual body that somehow must have some connection to your physical body because it's much like Jesus. Jesus was the first one to be resurrected from the dead. And you notice his disciples recognized him. But yet his, his body was somehow a little bit different. He just all of a sudden appeared. So I don't, I'm not an expert on what a spiritual body is because I've never seen one. But what I do know is eternity, eternity, the resurrected body will be, there will be something about it that it's, that's material. It's not what I used to think of when I was young and I just thought we were all just kind of floating around in the, this white room. It's not just this disembodied experience in eternity. It's very much an embodied experience in the new heavens and the new earth. To me, that's like super exciting. To me, I can get excited about that kind of stuff and that's what scripture tells, tells us about. One more verse. John 11, 25 and 26, Jesus told her, he's talking here to, to Martha, and her brother had just died, Lazarus had just died, so this was like on her mind, eternity, and Jesus said this, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. And I love what he says here at the end, and this is how I wanna end today. He says, do you believe this, Martha? Do you believe that, that Jesus is the resurrection and the life? Do you believe, Martha, that anyone who believes in Jesus will live? See, this is the good news of the gospel. The good news isn't that, you know, when it says the righteous will be, will be resurrected to eternal life and the unrighteous, some of you might think that that means that you have to be a really good person. That's not what that means. The way we get the righteousness of Christ is by placing our faith in Jesus. That's the good news of the gospel. It's not about how good you are. When I read that verse a little earlier today, some of you might have started freaking out a little bit, like, I don't know if I'm righteous enough. I know I'm not righteous enough. But Jesus' righteousness is mine because I've placed my faith in him. I want to close just today by inviting you to check out this uh, this printout that we have on the, at the welcome table on the way out today, it's, it's called, it's just a little document, it's connected to a resource at PursueGod.org called Five Verses on Preparing for Eternity. This is actually a, a, a sheet that I bring to people when I pray with them when they're on their deathbed. I've given this out to many people, and I've gone through these five verses to prepare them for eternity. Because Jesus asked Martha, Lazarus had just died she was worried about Lazarus. Jesus was worried about Martha. 
He said, hey, Martha, what about you? Do you believe this? Do you believe I'm the resurrection and the life? And I want to invite everyone in here to say, am I ready for eternity? Am I prepared for eternity? And these verses speak right to that. I want to, I want to close by just reading these five verses. Hebrews 9, 27. Each person is destined to die once, and after that comes judgment. Man, that's a scary verse. And here's another scary verse, Romans 3.23, for everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. We're all unrighteous, every one of us. But here's the good news, Galatians 1.4, Jesus gave his life for our sins, just as God our Father planned in order to rescue us from the evil world in which we live. Boy, do we not live in an evil world? And the evil isn't just out there, it's also in here. We're all broken, we're all unrighteousness. That, that's why Jesus died. And here's how you get that assurance. Romans 10, 9, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's the good news. If you're here today and you've never trusted in Jesus for salvation, like we'd love to help you to do that before you go. In the last verse, Revelation 21, 4, the second to last book of the Bible, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. That's the picture of eternity that we get. And everyone who's placed their faith in Jesus will have that experience in eternity. If you're here today and you want to know more about that, you want to, maybe you even want to just say, today I want to do that. I want to I trust Jesus for salvation. I don't want to have to wonder what will happen in the resurrection. But I encourage you to stick around. We'd love to talk and pray with you before you go. Would you, would you pray with me even now? Father, I thank you for your assurance in your word. Jesus, I thank you for your answer to these Sadducees, just how brilliant, how brilliant you always, always were whenever you talked to the authorities. And God, I pray for all of us that we would receive what you have spoken. God, that, that we wouldn't pick and choose from scripture, but that we would allow the whole counsel of, the whole counsel of God to speak to all of our questions, and in this particular question, God, I pray that every individual who's here today or everyone who's listening to this online, God, that, that we would be able to answer that question, what about, what about me? What do I believe about Jesus? Do I believe that Jesus is the resurrection and the life? Do I believe that faith in Jesus is the key to experiencing eternity with God? Lord, I pray that we would all be able to answer that yes, a resounding yes. Thank you for your righteousness, Jesus, that you give to us when we believe. We pray these things in Jesus' name.